How you doing everybody? Welcome to the Data Lab here on For Frequency Sake. This is where all the messy math gets done so we can hopefully find you a few hidden gems in the world of fantasy football. And joining me as he does each and every week, he is the fantasy professor after all. It's John Bush. John, welcome back. Hey, it's week 10 here. Uh, I like your, what'd you say, messy Messy metrics and a muddled mess. <laughs> this, so, so, this is that kind of week. It kind of sums up week 10 in the NFL. Uh, just one of those weeks where I think we're going to see a lot of chaos in the fantasy football ranks because the Chiefs, Dolphins, Eagles, and Rams are on their bye week, and that's a lot of offensive firepower. So I think this week, Professor, if you just hit the minimum, if you hit a median performance out of everybody in your lineup, I think that's going to be a winning effort. But this is a great week to talk about a couple of things that I've discovered in the stats recently. I I, you know, I'm a big believer in the big window when we look at fantasy football stats. I, I believe two years plus the current season is the right time frame. So you can kind of get away from any defensive matchup uh, benefits or, or detriments for the players that I, I've always been a big believer that a wider window, but not too wide is the best way to look. But I got curious to look at what my MVP index says for just the first nine weeks of the 2023 season. And it it answered some questions, Professor, but it sort of spawned even more questions than it answered. Uh, That is interesting when you narrow it down, you would think that narrow data would be less uh, like volatile, you know, the highs and lows. And uh, one way that I use is the box and whisker. And I'm going to go ahead and put that up for us here. Let's see if I can do that. And I'm going to show you when you gave me your, uh, I believe the format that you had was uh, looking at the player position, the two-year window, and then the nine-game uh, window. So you narrowed it down. And so I took that data and looked at what you called change and I threw out the rookies, so uh, just there, uh, you know, since they didn't have a two-year window, I just I threw them out, and I looked who was else, and here's my box and whisker right here, you know, and you can check it out. So, so uh, it's quarterback, running back, wide receiver, or tight end wide receiver so uh very interesting the quarterbacks have the least 
change variation from the two year to the one year or the nine week window. So there is a steadiness, a predictability is highest with your MVP index from two year to nine nine weeks. So it's it's held steady, whereas uh, the tight end is the most volatile. Look at the size of the box there, very broad. The next best was wide receivers are steadier, and then the running backs are uh, a little bit more volatile, but not like tight ends. So it's kind of, if I ordered the predictability just using this metric, it would be quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs, and tight ends are the worst from the two-year to the nine-week window. And I don't know if that's a surprise or not, but I thought I'd let you comment, then we can talk a little more about this data. But just the visual side of it, I thought you would find that very interesting. Yeah, and I'm not surprised that quarterback is the least volatile because when you did a study comparing the data from one year to the next to see which position I was doing better than total points using my weekly value. Quarterback. Quarterback. Quarterback, quarterback was it. And – you know, there's no big surprises at quarterback, um, but there are a couple of small surprises that that aren't really surprises. Okay, we know that Patrick Mahomes is down this year, but he was down by over twenty percent in his MVP index. He's QB six this year for the nine weeks versus being QB two overall for the bigger window of data but the other guy that's really down is is joe burrow i mean we're talking 80 percent drop in his mvp index um from the the wider window where he's up there in that third tier and he's all the way down i mean he's like quarterback 17 this season when you look at that picture the, the one surprise that I had, Professor, at quarterback, everybody's been raving about Lamar Jackson this year. And it's been a puzzle to me. His MVP is down by almost 50%. Yet the perception in the fantasy football community is that he's killing it because he had that big week that everybody remembers. But when it comes to fantasy football, I really believe you got to chase what matters the most. Yes, big game potential is part of it, but consistency is part. And the lack of a low game is a part. And Lamar Jackson's had a couple of dog games this year where, you know, it's been an irritating number that he's posted. And so... I don't find it that surprising that he's QB 16 on MVP index right now because he's had a couple of the bad games. No surprise he's number one. You know, Josh Allen is first, uh, Jalen Hurts second, Herbert third, Prescott fourth, and Tua in fifth place. Your top five was no surprise when it came to the data. Well, maybe Prescott was a bit of a surprise because everybody's been dogging Dak. 
yet he is pretty consistent from one year from the bigger picture year to this year. He was just down about 5%, but still in that argument as a top four quarterback. So at quarterback, at least, it made a lot of sense that the volatility isn't there. And and no real big, huge surprise, I guess, to me, except for our perception of Lamar Jackson versus the reality. Yeah, uh, I was looking at some of that, you know, the data there that you had. Uh, look at Love. I thought that was interesting. He actually, he was like, uh, minus eight, and then uh, to 20, so his change is plus 33. So in some ways, he's actually improved in these nine weeks. That may have been surprised. Yeah, and May, sitting, Mayfield has surprised, yeah. uh, it's improved. Ua, I'm looking at the top, you know, in change, positives. And Justin Fields is up there. He's a plus 37 points, which is a huge increase from where he was uh, last year. He was a three on the bigger scale to a 40. So that's a huge change in MVP index. And he's solid there at QB8. So when he comes back from injury, he's he's a solid play. And look at our guy Goff. He's actually having a better year because I think he's been a little more consistent on the road this season versus last year when he had the wild splits. Yeah, I believe that. Uh, uh, Herbert actually took a step forward a little bit. So I think that he was one of the top drafted, and that's worked out. So, I mean, if, if you overlay, and I haven't had time, you just didn't, yeah, but maybe also be nice to see drafting what was the, you know, the ADP, the end of, you know, August, you know, correlate highly drafted versus what they've done. I mean, Herbert is, I'm looking, uh, I guess Watson would also, he's a plus 20 improvement. And Herbert's plus 13. So some of those, those two, uh, were kind of in the top group. And, and they've returned some value if you look at it through your uh, your MVP index, which people can go to the science of fantasy football. You've got on why it works, that article. You've got the definitions on your weekly values, including MVP, so people can kind of catch up on uh, exactly what you know you mean by MVP, and uh, they can kind of put that together. So uh, that those are and, and look at Russell Wilson plus eleven so far. That's kind of surprising. Uh, so those were some of the ones that I thought were intriguing. Some of the negative ones, of course, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, that's probably not Gino. We we <laughs> we invested some goodies in Gino, and he he went from a plus sixteen to a minus thirty six. That's not good, Dennis. Burrow has declined from fifty nine to thirteen. 
uh, Daniel Jones, of course, uh, Tannehill. Mahomes has dropped. Stafford has dropped. Lamar Jackson has dropped. So there's some that are maybe surprising. Even Jalen Hurts from 82 to 78. He dropped by four. Not, to me, that's a wash. He hadn't really changed. So he was probably a good play as well. But ones that are surprising are Lamar Jackson, and I hate to see Mahomes uh, drop as well. So uh, I think it's interesting. So you wonder then, has the defense against position, has it been a really strange year? So far, for some of these, like Jackson or Mahomes, uh, have uh, players changed or the coaches or, you know, what's changed? Why would they, you know, why were some players up and down? That, That's the questions I think you hinted at is why the hell are we seeing these changes? And, you know, we need to understand that so we can maybe predict for next year, and I've always work. believed, Professor, that the wider window, at looking at a wider window of data, kept us from being uh, subject to two things. One is recency bias of, you know, what have you done for me lately? And to be too excited about a player who's had a couple of hot weeks, but generally has never had that history of being consistently great. And the other is the concept of regression, because regression is real. In in, in any data set, uh, you will see a regression back to the mean um, for, for data. It happens all the time in weather. Uh, it happens in a lot of data sets where you will see a, either a positive or a negative regression back to the usual mean. And I'm not sure exactly what we're seeing with this data when you just look at at 23 yes it tells us where we've been this year but i'm not sure whether that data or the wider window of data is the right data to use as far as making decisions for future weeks it's great for discussing and saying yeah, there's no doubt. Josh Allen has been the best. He's got an MVP index of 100. That's 22 points higher than anybody else. He's been the best at quarterback this year. Likewise, McCaffrey and Etienne and and Kamara, they've been superstars at 150. Uh, Ashane is up there, but he's hurt. Eckler's up there, but he's been hurt. Uh, and these are the guys that were the the best of the best, but how about David Montgomery and Kyron Williams having huge increases? Are we looking for a regression back to their old numbers? I don't think we have enough data yet, Professor, to know whether this is the new normal for these players or just a really good career year. Well, you, you look at things that changing environment david montgomery changed environments and whatnot so there could be some of that uh if you step up to just looking at your changes the median or the average change uh is all 
uh, in the minuses, Dennis, I'm showing you the for all quarterbacks uh, that you tracked, uh, they went down. Wow, two point five. Running backs nine point three, tight end six point four, and wide receivers minus seven eight. So probably not surprising the ones that had the highest. If we call this change uh, tracking, say regression, has been the running backs, and the least have been the quarterbacks. So that that's intriguing. To me, a little bit, because uh, uh, I believe that trying to understand positions and the volatility is at least you build in your draft strategy, and I believe you're better than zero tracks with this change, Dennis, because you, if people will go back to that article, uh, you know, that you put out uh, this summer, tracking how you're going to construct your teams. We're kind of back to that concept of forge and hoard the late RBs. And part of that, I think, your MVP change says that uh, running backs are going to have the highest volatility. And we actually see that data, minus nine. So they're they're regressing, and they're regressing most. And if of you all look at the changes at each position, quarterback, there's a lot of guys within that plus to minus twenty range. If you look at it, for running backs, it is extreme in either direction. It and that's I think the biggest surprise to me because you went from. You know, like guys like Kyron Williams with a plus 81 on one side to an Antonio Gibson, a minus 62. A, you know, Ezekiel Elliott shouldn't be a surprise because of his difference in usage, but he's a minus 78. But these huge swings, plus or minus, at running back surprised me a little bit because there's only a couple of guys that are within... 20 points of where they were last year. And that's even at the extreme high McCaffrey, a 29 point change. He was great last year. He's greater this year. ETN was a solid play at a 91 over the bigger scheme of things over two years. Plus he's a 150 when you just look at the nine weeks. So that's a 59-point difference. Huge swings. There's very few running backs that stayed within plus or minus 20 at the higher levels. The exceptions are, are guys you know, like Eckler that's only a minus 7, uh, Jonathan Taylor at a minus 11, and Swift at a minus 12. But you notice all those small changes still in the negative. So just incredible to see this data. Uh, it's It really opened my eyes a lot to who's had the best season through nine weeks. And, and that is a good thing to understand because if I have a player, Professor, that is really much higher in MVP this year, he might be a prime target to trade because if he's going to regress back 
to a more normal performance for him. I want to trade him while he's at his peak value in Dynasty. I don't want to wait until that value has slid a bit. And on the wide receiver side, the interesting thing is your uh, top seven at wide receiver were all really stout last year. I mean, we're talking 85 and above on their MVP, but they're all up and they're all up about 45 points on uh, around 40 points, I guess, on the mean for those top seven guys. So they went from being great to being even greater. How about a 167 for Tyreek Hill? Remember, folks, 75 is the level where I say he's an automatic start every single week. He's more than twice that. That is superstar. That is that is carrying your team level of performance. So some big swings, plus or minus. Always interesting to do these data studies, Professor, because they do answer some questions, but they also spawn some more questions, which is healthy in research as well. Yeah, if you look at the, the position level, uh, the greatest up is running backs, plus 87, the best of the best in change from the two-year window to the nine, nine weeks. Uh, tight ends, running backs, I mean, uh, wide receivers, plus 67. Quarterbacks only change 37 at the top. So it seems to me your MVP, once you kind of get them high, they're not going to really shoot up like I think you mentioned, like EDN and some of those. But it looks to me, the way I'm reading this data, is running backs have the highest ceiling possibility. So you're really rewarded for picking those top running backs. And I thought that was kind of, interest in this change data and i believe you're, you're yeah i'm gonna that be yeah that are that article maybe? should be out tomorrow week. sunday at the absolute latest and what i'm looking at is is the it's the first look at the data folks i will probably be chasing this data the rest of the year and the mvp 23 as i'm calling it the data just for this year will also be included every week on my weekly values report now. So more data is always better, and you'll be able to see that change, yet that delta, because in in any performance-based system, whether it's horse racing, whether it's football, whether it's baseball, when you see a big delta, either way, it really tells you something about that athlete they are improving but when where will it stop where will that settle out as the new normal for that player will be very interesting and we just haven't been studying this enough to know yet but in the off season professor i plan on going back and doing individual seasons from the last four years to get an idea of learning more about this data can we see how it tracks? Can we understand better when a player is starting to tell us 
that he's improved. But what I one of my first takes about this at running back is I nailed a few of these guys that I expected to have better years because I have a lot of Kyron Williams on my roster. Not so much because I was a big believer in Williams, but I wasn't a believer in Akers. That is the key. And, you know, I had a lot of these different guys on my roster that are hitting their stride. I had a lot of Rashid White this year because I just thought, saw the opportunity was there. Now, I had a lot of DeAndre Swift, and Swift is still at a pretty high level at an 88, but I was surprised that he's actually dropped. But when I dug into the data more, Professor, it's his usage that is capped with Philly. They're using multiple running backs like Detroit was, but Swift is just not getting as many of those big play opportunities in that Philadelphia offense as he was with Detroit when he was healthy last year. He's been really consistent, but he's dropped off a little. Now, an 88 in MVP index is still at that level where you're starting him every week with confidence, but still a little bit lower, down exactly 12% from last year. That was an easy one to calculate because he was at a 100 last year. So even I could do the math on that one. But, you know, it's just kind of interesting to see how some of these guys have dropped. Uh, Joe Mixon, still at a high level at 88, but he's down 16, which is a little bit, almost 20% uh, for him. And Derrick Henry is having another solid year, but is not getting as much volume. They've been using Ty J. Spears a little bit more this year uh, to keep him fresh. Henry's still at an 86, which is great. I'd love to have players with an 86 or higher on my team, but that's down 32. That's that's down more than 20% from last year. So uh, we are starting to see the drop-off in some of these players And you know me, Professor, I don't like those drop-offs at running back because once they start dropping, they usually keep dropping. And there's an age factor that you and I looked at this summer with my age data. Uh, Just real quick, uh, by your MVP change for this year, uh, uh, RBs have a 20% higher ceiling. So when people spend time doing research, that's the, the, the treat for picking the right op running back or two is you're going to be above uh, the other positions as far as, you know, that level. So it, it, it still comes back to that running back thing. I know, the zero running back is, you know, always, you know, invoke with drafting. But if you can nail it and you're looking at your diary, you're good at finding that, you know, player that you're going to have a 20% boost if you can pick number one each year. That's just something to shoot for. And I, you know, when I look at this data, it inspires me to want to do more research and then the year to year that you're going to give me that data and we'll look predictability from year to year. I would like to see how that. And I'm very interested to see 
for guys that are at those extreme levels of of really good performance, for guys that are 100-plus year in, year out, are they more likely to rise or are they more likely to fall? Same with maybe plus 75 guys. Is there a is there a, a target value that is more susceptible to big rises or big falls? Those kinds of studies need to be done as well. But before we wrap this up, no doubt that one of the values mm-hmm. at tight end, he was already good last year for a tight end. He was a plus 23 on MVP index. And if you've been following my MVP index, you know, tight ends, anything positive is a plus uh, at that position. It's a very, very sparse position uh, number wise of really good tight ends. Evan Ingram is up to tight end five this year and he's up 40 on his on his, plus 40 on the MVP. That's almost a 200% increase uh, in value this year. So huge, huge jump in his value, which was not a surprise at all. TJ Hawkinson, who had a very solid year last year uh, and a 70, when you look at the big window, he was up plus 30 to the elite of 100. So right now, three elite tight ends. When you look at MVP, Andrews, Kelsey, and Hawkinson. And Kelsey, as crazy as his season has been, he's a plus three. So it's not much of a change for him. It's less than 2% change, but he's still up for the year, believe it or not. But those are the three guys that are in their, their elite tier all to themselves at tight end. And that means Hawkinson, who is the cheapest among them, was the best value this year at tight end so far, but Ingram not far behind because to get a tight end five where you got Ingram at the back end of the draft was certainly a huge bargain and is means you're stronger at other positions because you didn't take Kelsey or Andrews. So that's a, a win-win on a couple of different levels there. But I thought this was an interesting way to look at who's been doing better this year alone, Professor, and I'm glad I broke the data down. I also did a quality control on the entire season, double-checking my data. So this data is nice and pure and ready for the second half of the season as we head into the playoffs, so it'll be really good for making decisions. And uh, I look forward to digging deeper. Uh, I love my box and whiskers. My favorite, uh, you know, look-see into uh, the data itself. And uh, very intriguing data, Dennis. And uh, it's interesting. The quarterbacks are a lot more steady. So I think in some ways, if you're using your MVP, you are better than you know, the average bear at picking them. So we'll go with MVP, and it looks like the downside is uh, not as down as the other positions. So uh, this data tells me that we probably do have a better shot year to year at, you know, keeping a strong quarterback. And I know there's the zero quarterback idea, 
and I, I'm just curious to see, you know, I don't know how far you can go back, but, uh, you know, I think there were some years that, that spawned the late quarterback uh, onset because they were following the data that happened, but it was just a one year and everybody knee jerk based on that one year. And that's why I like to see multiple years, but my last takeaway on this change and just the distributions is that uh, I think using the MVP for next year's quarterbacks, I'm going to, I feel a little more confident now seeing what this is suggesting for us. So I'm and this season, remember, that. during the preseason, I said one of the strategies that I was going to employ at quarterback in redraft this year was to make sure that I got a top four quarterback. So the way I ensured that is I was either waiting long enough until the best quarterbacks were a super bargain in the fourth round, or I was waiting until that time at which two quarterbacks were off the board. And at that point, in the draft, I was more likely than not to select my quarterback with my next pick to make sure that my quarterback wouldn't be any worse than fourth or fifth using my weekly values data. And now using the MVP, we can see that that was probably really good advice because those top five quarterbacks are really solid and are helping your team win no matter which one you got of the top five or maybe even six guys, there's a value there that exceeds it. And I think too often, Professor, we look at points per game and we see, oh gosh, we were only losing two points per game between quarterback five and quarterback 12. So I'll just take the quarterback 12. When you see the consistency and you see the number of low-point games that those quarterbacks in the second half from 8 to 12, you know, that, that last third of the, of the starters in one-quarterback leagues, if you look at their consistency and you look at – and that drops big, and you look at their number of bad games that hurt you, that percentage goes up. I don't want either – of those things. I want very consistent quarterbacks that have a better likelihood of the big games. And those seem to be limited to your top five or six quarterbacks. So I think we have figured something out at quarterback that will help folks in the weeks ahead. And also for next year's draft, because if we're not learning from this season, to adapt better for the following year, we really are missing an opportunity. And that's where your diaries come into place. That is where you look back at your draft strategy and see how it went and see how you need to adjust that strategy for next year so you can win even more. So head on over to the scienceoffantasyfootball.com. Check out all of the professor's data. Check out my weekly values article and this report on the MVP 23 that'll be coming out 
over the weekend. Hey, check out our sister podcast twice a week, The Science of Fantasy Football, and then head on back here to For Frequency Sake next week for another edition of The Data Lab. Get the word, folks.